Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Beautifully done. It's pod 441, and it should have been the post Brighton reaction pod. Uh, of course, Palace haven't played uh, for the last four years, so there's no game to review. Uh, instead, we're going to be picking, going back through the memories, the archives, and picking some of our best Palace Brighton memories uh, from down uh, the years. Uh, and we will, of course, review that Brighton game as and when it happens. Um, at some point. Uh, we hope that this uh, fills the, the, the Brighton Palace void for you uh, for this week. Uh, joining me to walk down memory lane is Jack Pierce. Hello to you. How are you doing? Hey, JD. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really good. It's um, been a joy to plan ahead for this podcast, going down some of my favourite Palace memories. So uh, thanks for having me on. It's nice to hear that someone's done prep as well, because I haven't. Um, Dom Firefield's also here. Hello to you. Have you done prep? I'm doing it now. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's cramming last minute exams. Classic. That's the way all the lads did it. I did it as well. Um, lovely to have you on. Uh joining us as well, um, all the way from the other side of the pond. Uh returning for the first time in ages. It's been way too long. Tony Fletcher is here. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing great. Pleasure to be back on. Thank you. Uh last time you were trying to look at last time you were on, I think we were all allowed in the same room. So it was probably yeah. pre-COVID. I think it was at Kevin's at some point, and I think Dom was on as well. But yeah, uh, well. you guys had better memories of that uh, than I did. <laughs> yeah well you've done a, you've probably done more of these pods than us <laughs> i've done a few <laughs> i've done they all blend into one at some point to be totally honest but uh this will be a standout special one um before we get anywhere guys can I do a drum roll for random patron please it's anthony beck hello anthony hey, anthony hello Good anthony name. great name superb name recently joined our patron and you can join our patron and get all the rewards like anthony including post-match podcasts once those games come back uh patron only merchandise and access to the patron only discord club at patron.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash f-y-p podcast um now speaking of uh standout special things before we get on to our brighton memories um it's three days i think so yeah three days until the palace for life marathon march which myself and a few of the fyp team uh are taking part in i think it's our sixth or seventh time uh doing it i think we've got me kevin andy rob uh julian chenry and joe walker as our team uh this year um but tony 
Now, you are obviously not in the country at the moment, uh, but you are also taking part in the Marathon March. Uh, tell us uh, what exactly you're going to be doing uh, while we're all walking around South London. Um, well, while you're walking around South London, I'm probably going to be at home because I'm doing it a week later. Um, so <laughs> okay. I may even call you. I may even call you just to see how you're doing and just be like, no, no, I'll, I'll do this in a week. The, I've loved the idea of the Marathon March since it started. It's, it's, it's a wonderful fundraising um, exercise i guess exercise is the word and it always falls at a, at a time where um where i lived you know the, the autumn is really the best time of year and it's not a good time to be over and i'm i'm enough of a uh long distance person that i'd really quite like to do it and last year it really struck me i should i should try and tie this in so we have an annual uh trail marathon uh which sometimes is the last weekend in September, but it's actually a week later. It's on the, the 1st of October. It's in the Catskill Mountains. It is unbelievably almost exactly, you know, 26.2 miles. It just happens to be over the Catskill Mountains, and it's uh, 7,000 feet of elevation wow. and five, four peaks above 3,500 feet. And um, I'm used to to running this sort of for fun. I know for some people that doesn't sound like fun. I've never hiked it and let alone um, hiked it within the cutoff time, which is 10 hours because it's meant to be run. So I thought that I would set myself the challenge. And I reached out to Bobby who organizes, you know, the, the, the marathon March. And he was all up for this to make me an honorary kind of a marcher, I guess this year. And I am going, I have, you know, got my fundraising, just giving page up. I am going, I am fundraising for the Palace for Life Foundation, not by joining you in South London and stopping off in pubs along the way and getting in the palace dressing room afterwards, but by um, hiking this uh, full marathon distance on the Catskill Mountains, up and down the mountains, hopefully within 10 hours, which I've got to say is a serious challenge for me because it means going under 23 minutes a mile which is uphill, downhill, climbing mountains, down mountains. And, uh, you know, I, that's way more of a challenge than just saying, oh, I'll, I'll run it and I'll do it, you know, and maybe you can chip in a few bucks. I wouldn't feel I was doing anything out of the ordinary. So for the same reason, I know a lot of you um, people who sign up, it's maybe a one really long walk a year and maybe the first marathon distance for a lot of people. So I wanted to give myself a challenge to support the, the Palace for Life, and that's what I'm doing. And I'm actually really scared. <laughs> in well, a healthy I mean, way in a good way i think being scared in a healthy way is basically sums up being a palestine i think for the last uh yeah. however many years <laughs> yeah um firstly i don't know what you mean about stopping off at pubs along the way we would <laughs> never do that i don't know where that rumor's got from and and you know, seven thousand feet elevation is very impressive it's not quite as high as the hills around crystal palace but it is not too bad um either so that is that is very impressive indeed so um can you let us know where people can... I oh, should say, well, this is the Catskills in, in upstate New York as well, in case anyone wasn't uh, quite aware the, where that, that is uh, and the fact that you are sort of over the other side of the pond. Um, can you let people know how they can sponsor you if they think this yeah. is, uh, this is well, clearly very impressive and they'd like to help uh, out? And I, I would really love it if they did. And I know a lot of Palace fans may already be sponsoring somebody, but even if you want to just send me a message and say, you know, I'll chip in a, a pound if you do it, um, or just, I'll just give you a, just an encouragement. Um, but you know, it would be wonderful. So I guess all of us are on, um, just giving.com slash fundraising. Mm -hmm. And then mine would be another slash Tony Fletcher six, four, which potentially is not my age, but it may have given away my birth year. 
So, uh, <laughs> so it's justgiving.com slash forward slash fundraising forward slash Tony Fletcher 64. And I've given the explanation there. Um, I will be doing it a week later. I'm really excited. I'm really nervous. And I'm really happy to be doing my bit for the Paris for Life Foundation. Can I just say, a mate of mine, Matt Packham, who is listening to this podcast, is doing the Marathon March with you guys. And I'm asking the FYP guys to to look out for him because he doesn't know many other people doing the march. But he's been worried about walking around South London. And Tony's just put him to shame that (laughs) that is something else. That is absolutely amazing and and definitely going to get on there and and sponsor Tony. Yeah, good luck, Tony. That sounds incredible. Thank you so much. But also, I I mean... Tony, you're sort of doing it on your own, as you said, but I think actually the, the, the good thing about doing it, the South London one, is that you are with other Palace fans, and actually that, that camaraderie helps people through it, I think. So I think, you know, Tony's... And and, and again, I don't know what you're talking about. That would never happen. Um, so, you know, Tony, really, really all, all power to you because it's gonna, that's going to be a, a slog up and down. But uh, all the Palace fans listening and around the world will be with you uh, in spirit. And if, if you can chip in a few quid, that'd be absolutely great. We'll put your link um, below the, in the pod notes as well so people can check that out, along with the FYP one um, as well. Uh, and anyone that is taking part in it on Saturday, we will see you there. Very much looking forward to it. Um, Shall we get on with the theme of this week's episode, which is Palace uh, Brighton. A real shame we weren't able to take part in the game uh, this week, uh, especially as Brighton had no manager at the time. So it would have been very interesting to take them on uh, at that point. Uh, Fortunately, they will by the time we do. Um, What we've done for this is I've asked the three of you to pick your favourite. I know this is very, very difficult. Your favourite Palace Brighton memory or moment or anything that popped into your head uh, from the last however many years you've been watching uh, Crystal Palace and um, I'm going to go through them and then I'm going to chip in we've asked our listeners as well on various social media platforms what their favorite moments are as well so when when you guys do the relevant one I'll chip in with those as well I believe I'm going to almost try and go chronologically we'll start back in the day because Tony you've you've chosen a collection of moments rather than an actual moment for your Palace Brighton uh, memories, but it starts off right at the beginning. Yeah, you, you're confirming here I'm the oldest on the pod, right? Just... I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> you you have already given away your, your year of birth, though, so I feel like at this point the cat's out of the bag. Every every now and then I love hearing, uh, I mean, I love hearing Kevin Day anyway, but I like it because he's, he's exactly the same years as me and he, he brings back some good some good memories. Um, all right, I apologise to listeners that I'm dominating the first few minutes of this, uh, of this, of this show, but I did some... Um, you, you know, we all have memories and some of them are false memories and sometimes you've got to go back and, and check the facts. And I spent some time going back over the Brighton Palace history because uh, you know, it really kicked in um, by my memory. The moment we got relegated to the third division under, under Malcolm Allison and the first game in the third division was Brighton Palace in Brighton in August. And although I wasn't at that, um, I was reliably informed that there was a pretty large palace contingent down there and it sort of immediately something just stirred between Brighton and Palace. And um, it was the start of this unbelievable run of years where we were just in the same division together. And it did not take long at all for what looked initially like, oh, just a... um, a sort of uh, a, a relatively local fixture to just kick in immediately into rivalry. And I was looking back and um, you can see it immediately with the attendances. I don't know what it was down at Brighton on that opening game of the season, but it was um, 
my first Palace Brighton match, I'm glad to say, was 3 0 to Palace in March of 75. I would still have been 10 at that point. 19,000 fans, that's in the old third division. That would have been considered a really good attendance. And it was also one of the only years that, uh, that first year that we actually finished on opposite sides of the, the division. We missed out on promotion by one place in fifth. Brighton were 19th. So I guess they missed out on relegation by a couple of places. But the next year, I feel like, um, is the one where, where it kicked off because um, we, I'm, I'm looking, we, we lost at home in front of about 24,000 people in September and our previous home games had only had like 13,000, 16,000. So you can see that for Brighton, they were bringing people immediately. And I have to say, when we go to this, this rivalry, Brighton was getting really solid support back in those days, like really, really solid. And that catchment area thing that we talk about was really evident. If you drove down, um, you just felt it immediately. You got to kind of Gatwick and, and the, the shift in colors would just change a little bit. And the fact that we were you know, in the division now just a couple of years in a row. Um, we went back there in February um, and it's, it's pretty astonishing. It was on a Tuesday night and there's 33,000 people there for a third division league match. Wow. And so something had happened. Now, we'd just beaten Chelsea in the, you know, the Valentine's Day massacre 10 days earlier, and I'm sure some of that was a carryover. But when I was looking, we'd had a home match already the previous Saturday and only drawn, like, what was it? I've got it down here, um, uh, 17,000. So we had doubled for an away match at Brighton. And my, my memory of that actually says something about the rivalry because I used to go with my friend Adrian and we got dropped off by my friend's mother um, by the park because there was so much traffic. It was like, you guys had better run to the ground. And we got in the park and immediately got chased by other 11-year-old kids. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, I guess Brighton doesn't like Palace. Um, and then what, what really goes to is the next year, and I was so glad to actually just get, get to this because people will understand, 76, 77. So 75, 76, uh, they did do, do the double over us. They finished fourth, we finished fifth on goal difference, um, and neither of us got promoted. But the next year, 76, 77, is the one where we played each other five times uh -huh. and four times before Christmas. And I went to four of those five matches, and uh, looking at it, yeah, but the reason, of course, was the good old cup days when you just played replays till somebody actually, you know, won or the last 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 team standing, you know, <laughs> went through on elimination. And uh, the first round of the cup, we went down there. Um, it was it was two two. Um, there was a home game three nights later. It was one one. Apparently, Rashid Harkook scored in both. Now that's a legendary player, and we could talk about Rashid Harkook. Um, both those games got almost thirty thousand people. Um, but uh, the, the 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 one that is cemented in in people's memories is interesting because it was a it was at Stamford Bridge on a Monday night, and it and for various reasons, uh, including it was a Monday night, it only got like fourteen thousand people. So the famous Alan Mullery incident um, yeah. is not one that was witnessed on on you know either Selhurst or the old Goldstone Ground <laughs> territory. And I'm, I'm I was left wondering well, how many people did see it because. Um, you know, you're talking about these 30,000, you know, attendances. I imagine there were a fair few neutrals, a fair few Chelsea fans of that, that one where we actually won and, and, and went through in the cup, um, in 76, 77. But I think it was the fact that was, it was what did it. We were, we played each other four times by early December, four times in two months. Um, 
both of us got promoted that year. Uh, Brighton in second, us in third. Um, all, you know, I could see we beat them 3-1 in March, which must have really helped with our promotion. Probably, actually, you know, you take that win away, it might not have happened. Um, the, you know, getting those kind of crowds, 33,000 back in the old third division, regular 30,000 attendances, it just, it was instant. And the other rivalry we'd had in, in the second and third division was Millwall. And uh, Millwall was just unpleasant. You know, it was really unpleasant. Whereas I've got to say about the Brighton rivalry, I love the rivalry, but I also love Brighton. I mean, as a town, I love Brighton. I never have a bad time down there. I just love the rivalry with the football team. Whereas I feel differently about a Millwall or a Chelsea or something like that. It feels, uh, it has a different feeling. And we carried on following each other up and down divisions, didn't we? We both got promoted to the top division in 78, 79, um, we finished just above Brighton. Yeah, we could have drawn that famous match against Burnley, 52,000 people and got promoted, but then we'd have finished below Brighton on goal difference. So we had to bring it. <laughs> yeah, we were, but we were up for a couple of years and then we came down and they didn't. It was interesting to look and see. We hadn't played each other um, in, a, in, a, in a Brighton and Palace uh, before that game in 70, uh, 74. We hadn't played each other since 63. So it wasn't like there was a history, but the moment it started... It, it was just off. It was just like, oh, this is a rivalry to enjoy. There's no team of any real similar merit between Crystal Palace and Brighton, with apologies to Gillingham or anybody else who may feel they're somewhere in the middle. It was a straight train line. It was a catchment area that divided the further you went down. Um, the football leagues, not their wisdom, their stupidity. Once we were in the top division, they started putting us on on Boxing Day. The rivalry just got more and more intense. Um, and it continues to be the most fun rivalry we have. And anybody who doesn't understand the Palace-Brighton rivalry, you know, there's just a little bit of history for you. And that doesn't even bring us up to speed with the last decade. No, it is, you're right. I'm going through the fixtures. It is fascinating because there were a few games up, up until 63 and there were mostly Division Three South games, one FA Cup game. And then there was an 11-year break. And then they played each other in 74. And then it's like this intense, fiery relationship where they play each other Every year from 74, including that mad run of in 76, which of a five times in one year, up until 89, same divisions following each other around this intense relationship, and then another 10 year break or a massive year break gap, yeah, yeah, before yeah. 2002. So it's a really bizarre, almost luck, I guess, based in, in just them being together so much. And of course, that obviously sparked, sparked the rivalry. I do have some comments from uh, some of our listeners. You touched on the 79 there, finishing above them uh, with the Burnley game. John Pike uh, says, uh, 79, winning the old second division, beating Burnley while Brighton were on a plane, thinking they'd won it. I think <laughs> there's a famous old story, isn't there, that the pilot of that plane announced that Palace had won the title, I think, over the Tannoy while Brighton were in the air. Is that right? Have I got that right? Does that sound about some something along that, those lines? I didn't know that, but it's a great story. I hope it's true. I, I mean, I hope it's true. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the rumours I was a Palace fan. Probably wasn't, but that would just add... Uh... Captain Nodes. What a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact, the fact that we were on, like, goal difference on some of these years, and, and out of that uh, period, I mean, I, I hate to say we did get relegated from the old first division before them, so there was a, there was a two-year break in the, uh, in the 80s, but, um, which I'm sure Brighton hasn't forgotten. But 
the, the fact that most of those seasons you're talking about, we were separated from each other by goal difference, a point. We were, we were battling for the same thing. We would go up together. We would miss out on promotion together. You can't really ask for more than, the, uh, uh, than that for a rivalry. Did you, um, Tony, when you were watching these games, were, were, you, were you aware of the, 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 of the animosity between Terry Venables and Alan Mullery, which apparently stemmed back from their days as players together at Spurs? I mean, they, apparently yeah. it was a real thing. I mean, was, that, was that clear on the touchline? Yeah, it was clear on the touchline, and um, it, yeah, it was clear. And again, I I kind of wish I'd been at that uh, that replay at uh, Stamford Bridge. I actually realised that I thought the reason I wasn't at that replay because I was such an avid Palace fan. I was going to to every almost every match. It's actually because I my mum took me to Lincoln the previous Saturday, uh, where it got abandoned in the, in the snow. Um, and she had wanted to go there with her her friend, who was a big Palace fan, and, and spend the night because Lincoln was a nice place. So I guess when we got back on Sunday evening, I probably said, "Yeah, Palace Brighton again tomorrow, Mum at Chelsea." <laughs> and she was like, "No, and it's a school night, and that's enough Palace Brighton. That's enough Palace just for like two weeks. Otherwise, I really, really wish I'd been at that to to see that. Yes, there was an, there there was animosity between them." Um, and there was already animosity between the fans. They didn't. They didn't need much uh, encouragement. And uh, you know, again, I don't. Uh, yeah, I know we love to call Brighton plastics now, and I, I can go along with that to to quite an extent. Uh, but I have to be honest. Back then, they had a really solid crowd. Yeah, we hardcore. had a really solid crowd, and I I I think we were pretty much equals. Um, I think some of those attendances down in Brighton suggest that you know, or at Palace suggest that they could bring. 10, 15,000, we could bring 10, 15,000. It was pretty amazing times. Tony, I, it was completely lost on me that the Mullery incident was at Stamford Bridge. I just always had that down at, at Selhurst. So um, I, I'm taking that away at least from, from this pod. <laughs> that, that's... Um, that's quite the, the palace yeah, trivia. Yeah, I got that. that. Thank, thank God for for old fashioned books like There and Back Again. Which books. I have, I have books, books, magazines, fanzines. You know, <laughs> don't, I'm a writer. Them. Don't do that, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> we edged it, um, and um, he went into the press room and absolutely went, "So they're no good. We're the we were the better side." And he said, I wouldn't give you that from. He takes a five pound note out of out of his pocket. And throws it on the floor. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I think the detail you've just gone into there, Tony, probably highlights the intensity of the um, the rivalry and just the relationship between the two clubs, the two sets of players, the two sets of fans, better than most descriptions of that era that I've heard before. Because for me, having grown up in the in the nineties when Palace Brighton was not a frequent event, in fact, I don't think we played each other in that decade at all. It's often it it was often lost on me as to why we really cared about this lot down the road from the coast. But the description and detail you've got into there, Tony, really rounds it home in terms of the intensity and the frequency in which we were playing one another. And the point you make in terms of the goal zone and, and so as being two proper football grounds filled with proper football fans, you know that 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 is that's quite the, the scene for yeah, a rivalry that's that's kind of in its infancy but intense from from the word go so yeah that that really sets the scene and uh yeah gives gives me an insight into that time yeah it's a shame you weren't at the uh the chelsea uh game because i was going to ask if you were the person that threw the coffee over ala mullery um no, they no, you they, that uh, was tony's mum <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she did go <laughs> 
There was, um, I do remember, I mean, you know, we t- uh, the rivalry was on and off the pitch. There was some very bad behavior going on uh, off off the pitch as well. And I do recall flares being thrown by Palace fans almost from day one. I mean, that, that was nothing new. It's been a tradition since the 70s. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it was very, very much on and off the pitch. But uh, for me, I just enjoy it on the pitch because I was enjoying a away day down there. There's loads of Palace fans living in Brighton, isn't there? Mm. They don't want to have to admit it, but... Taking over. We're taking over down there, Tony. We're taking of over. Palace fans down there. Loads Did you of go them, to yeah. the game with, with um, Henry Hewton and Jerry Ryan? The, the tackle that ended Jerry Ryan's career down at... That, that was a Palace. What, that was at Sellers Park, I think. What uh, game would that have been? It would have been 85... Uh, it was a one-all draw, but it was, it was infamous for the Henry Hewton challenge that, that ended Jerry Ryan's career. And it was, I think, it was, I think, I don't think it's ever been forgotten by by Brighton fans. But quite right. No, I wasn't. I, I was, I was at the match where George Best ended Ian Evans' career. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. George yeah. Best was an yeah. incredible dribbler, but not a great defender. And I don't think he meant to break Ian Evans' leg in three places, but he did. And that was should that have was stopped after the, the first Evans. two, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Daly. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you can only imagine an instance like that on the pitch. Obviously, add to the the rivalry. I will say, I mean, I, I didn't realise that people threw flares back in the seventies. Um, it's a terrible idea because what are you going to wear on the way home? I think wow. that's not the very. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Ooh. always brings it on the trousers, oh. doesn't he? It has to be. He's not wearing any. Something you are more obsessed than I am with that. <laughs> This episode of the FIP podcast is brought to you by Green King, your home of pub sport. And they have a great offer for FYP listeners. Now, if you can't get to Sellers Park on match days, a Green King pub is the place to be. With over 900 sports pubs across the country, Green King is where the fans go, showing every broadcast game for Palace, as well as every live sporting event from BT and Sky Sports on tap. Plus, unlike sitting at the back of the Arthur, you'll actually be able to see the screen and you can drink in sight of the pitch should you want to. Um, Here's a small print. Palace win when buying a Diet Coke, not guaranteed, only works for the host of this podcast. And if you download the Green King season ticket app, you can receive a free drink when you register and 10% off a great range of drinks one hour before, during and after any match. Also, the app has a booking functionality to secure your table before you arrive and games with instant prizes. Head to the App Store or Google Play and search Green King Season Ticket to download the app. When registering, if you use the promotional code FYP, all in caps, that's FYP, you'll get some additional offers added to your wallet. As a listener of the show, you'll get an additional £5 off when you spend 15 quid on drinks. That's Green King. It's where the fans go. Your home of pub sport. Um, just, just final question on that one. A bit of like you know football nostalgia here. Why was the 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 game at Stamford Bridge played at Stamford Bridge? Was that the kind of deal breaker? If if yeah. two replays, you find a neutral ground for the for the third replay. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes the 
just depending on non-league games, I mean, I think maybe this still goes on. They might get played at Palace. I believe one of the big Wimbledon matches got played at Palace and 40,000 mm. uh, showed up. Uh, so, so I'm allowing that there would be a lot of neutrals because I remember going to of one of those uh, Wimbledon games when they were non-league. A massive, massive crowd that was mainly Palace. So, again, I think the Palace Brighton fans were probably just like, oh, somebody's going to, you know, we'd love to get there, but we both just played on Saturday. Palace, it was abandoned. It's, middle, it's winter. Somebody's going to win this eventually and not, not, you know, not the usual crowd got to that one. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing we went out in the next round in typical Palace fashion. No, no, no. We, we, we made it to the semi-final. No, no. We, no, no, this, this was no. the year after. This yeah, is the yeah. year after. Yes, this is 76, oh, right. 77. No, we went out yeah. to Liverpool oh, okay. after after holding Liverpool nil-nil at Anfield. Wow. And okay. they hadn't dropped a point all season. Third, third round? Yeah. Third round, fourth? Okay. Yeah, we went out 3-2 at the replay down at, down at Palace. Yeah. Yeah, we made, yeah. So we were carrying that cup reputation and we did go out to a top team. Yeah. Fair enough. That's not too not too bad at all. Um, I will. I mean, I agree with Jack. I was thinking if anyone, because I get asked this question every time Palace play Brighton, which is, well, that's a that's a funny old rivalry that one, isn't it? it doesn't make any sense. Why why are they rivals? Um, I will say that's a very good explainer from Tony there. So if anyone has any mates that are uh, non Palace and Brighton and get confused by it, just play in the last ten minutes. I'm just going to play the intro to this podcast, yeah, yeah. and then that would explain it because you always get people asking about that every year. Let me read out a few comments from our listeners who are. Um, agree with Tony that those era uh, that era is their favourites. Um, someone here called Stripey Nigel. Hello, hello, Nigel. Aren't we all doing nothing for the <laughs> reputation? Yeah, quite. Um, when we beat the Marcellus in '78, because it was my first experience of it live. There you go. Um, Sue Savile says, uh, running through the park towards the Goldstone. Clearly, something you've experienced as well, Tony. Yes. But I don't know if she's being chased by eleven-year-olds, but uh, I'm sure it's a similar, similar thing. Um, Red Hill Palace says uh, there was a moment in the mid-eighties down at the Goldstone on a Tuesday night. I think it was a cup game when we had a mini pitch invasion whilst winning the game. Wasn't many of us there, but it was definitely at night that sticks out. Uh, Lee. Lee Hum 2000, back in the 80s, walking from Preston Park to the Goldstone. Big old group of us, laughs all the way. Some great mates in that group and untouchable on the day. Oh, it rhymes. And to top it off with the Palace team tootling past on the team bus. Bloody hell, that was a walk and a half, says Lee. So there you go. Some, some, uh, some people with some really good memories of that time when the rivalry was kind of in its infancy but also sort of burning brightest as well i think uh from over the years um i'll just i'll just add in there that i was, I was sure it was preston park um brighton was more in brighton in those days you know preston park feels like part of brighton in a way that hove god bless it doesn't and yeah. uh so there was also that i mean it was kind of on the a23 and you you know tried to park or you got off the train and got that extra or you got off the train at preston park and just went straight to the ground so it was that straight line down there from palace down down to brighton lovely stuff um should, let's come a bit more more recent i'll say more recent because after 1989 they only played each other once which was in the zenith data systems cup which i think palace were on course to winning at that point 91 we won in 91 didn't we is that right yeah, yeah. um so we, did, so we did play them in the 90s so, so once in the 90s yeah. okay 91. okay and then the next time after that was 11 years later uh when brighton after going down to an a non-league, I think. Did they, or did they have actually? No, they they had a. They, they very close got yeah. a point at Hereford, I think, to stay amongst the ninety-two. Yeah, yeah. They returned to what was Division One at the time, uh, and came to Sellhurst on the twenty-sixth of October, two thousand and two, which were very nearly at the twenty-year anniversary of 
um, actually. That's terrifying. It is terrifying, yeah. Uh, And Palace dispatched them famously 5-0 thanks to a hat-trick from Andy Johnson. This is the moment slash game that I've picked as my memory. I was 18 at the time, so, you know, very much in that kind of uh, Palace obsessive state. And uh, I remember this game so, so well. The uh, first two goals that he scored were actually down the other end for me. So I used to sit in the, in the Homesdale and they were down at the White Horse Lane. A little um, header at a corner, I think one of them was. One of them was a header at a corner. One was a sort of poked in goal, I think, at the back post, uh, both from set pieces. Um, and then he scores a penalty uh, down the other end. I think someone got sent off for that as well. Or did... No, I lied. Did Dougie, did Dougie Freeman Dougie, score the first Dougie penalty? scored the first yeah. penalty. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then AJ got one. I'm not sure if he got one. And then uh, Julian Gray scored a very, very well taken goal. Julian Gray got the fifth. Yeah. Right. He got the fifth. Weirdly, that's my, (laughs) I'm so sorry to AJ. That's my abiding memory of the day is that Julian Gray goal. Because where (laughs) I was in block block B, you got a really nice view of it going flashing across the goal into the bottom corner. Um, It was just such a, I don't know if the rest of you guys were there that day. It was just such a, it was one of those days where you almost couldn't quite write it because a lot of us, you know, and Jack, I'm the same era as you grew up hearing so much about Palace Brighton, but having never been to a game and hearing, and you were always sort of brought up to hate Brighton without kind of really knowing why. Uh, and then finally you get them on our doorstep and get a chance to actually play against them. And, it, and it's almost Roy of the Rovers stuff. Like it couldn't go any better. I mean, Steve Coppel's back as Brighton manager, applauding the Palace fans uh, and, you know, seemingly more so than his own fans. And then we're still getting to smash them uh 5-0 uh you know, hat trick from AJ and when he was really sort of getting into his groove of uh I think it possibly might have been his first I think he scored a cup goal but these might have been his sort of first proper goals no, as a... he, he, that was had he just scored a hat trick at Walsall in a, in a feel... 4-3 win or was that just after I think that was a few days later was it he's because he scored successive hat tricks didn't he it was a that was sort of his his burst of goals that season didn't yeah. score many many others that year because he'd scored, he'd scored, uh, he scored in a cup game. He hadn't scored for a bit, had he? And obviously, it'd been the switch with with Clinton. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, who's this kid we've got?" He's, you know, he's not scoring any goals. Um, and I think he'd scored in a cup game maybe a couple of weeks beforehand, sort of against someone lowly. Uh, and then, it's yeah, spot on, yeah, it's spot on. He scored, he scored the week before against in a two-two draw against Wimbledon at Sellers Park. But his only other previous goal was a League Cup goal against Plymouth in the in September, and then there he followed go. it up with the hat trick. In fact, he scored. Six in his next three as well, and then didn't score again until. So, what, so he got the hat trick again. Hang on, he got the hat trick. He again. got hat trick against Walsall, and then he scored a in a win at Ipswich and two at home to Coventry, and then didn't. And that was that was in uh, early November, and then didn't score again until February. <laughs> wow! And then obviously the next next season, obviously hit. Yeah. Whatever it was, thirty five goals. I, do you know what? I'm looking on Andy Johnson's soccer base, and I can't see any of these goals. I'm thinking. Hang on, why did he play for West Brom in October 2002? <laughs> I got the wrong Andy Johnson. Oh, God, you're going to start talking about George Santos or something in a minute. Easily done. Easily done. Yeah, I think, I think for, for, it, it's funny. I think Palace Brighton's games will probably, there'll be different moments in games that are important to different Palace fans from different kind of eras and generations, depending on how old you are when your first game was. I think for people of sort of my age, mid to late 30s, I think this game is probably a really, really big one because it's the first time you got to see Palace play Brighton in the flesh and it couldn't have gone any better. I've got a few comments from people here and then I'm going to come to you, Jack, because you've teased us of this bench fact from this game. But before we do that, I'll go to Martin Allen, 
I hope it's not Mad Dog himself, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is. Who knows? Uh, Martin Allen says, the 5-0 is the first time I saw us play them. So same for me. And they had Sir Steve Koppel as coach. Um, I mean, we could do a whole episode on on Steve Koppel and getting away with being Brighton manager uh, and uh, still being loved by the Palace fans. Bringing them to sell us and losing 5-0 probably helped. Uh, Paul Deason says the AJ hat-trick 5-0. I mean, it's absolutely the iconic hat-trick, of course, isn't it? Um, and Chris Dack says... Uh, one five nil, and the fans chanted, "Couple, couple, gave us a wave," and he did. Wow, really, really winding up the uh, the Brighton fans. That capped off the day for me. I went home, sank a few drinks, and then lived happily ever after. <laughs> Quite poetic, thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah, fantastic day. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely, definitely never forget it. Um, Jack, let's come to you for this this bench fact from this from this iconic day. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the start, absolute joy to research this pod because so many good memories. So while doing that, you stumble across a couple of old names. On the bench for Brighton that day was, I think he's in the top 20 Palace all-time appearances, was Simon Roger. Yeah. Jolly Roger on the, on the bench for Brighton. I don't know if he came on that afternoon. He, I don't... He, he came on at 5-0 after 59 minutes, and we didn't concede any more. Just, you know. I call resolute, <laughs> resolute yeah. Roger. Just <laughs> in honour of Jolly. Pro- proving a point. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Jolly Roger. I guess uh, he 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 saw out his career there. He ended up at Bognor Regis or somewhere like that. I think I can't started remember. Started Bognor Regis. Oh, he started at Bognor Regis. Yeah. Okay, that might. Yeah, he just couldn't couldn't help the lure of heading back down to the coast. But yeah, so now he's on the bench. And also it, with the with the whistle that day, Jim uh, oh, awarding no. awarding Palace two penalties. <laughs> BT's own Peter Walton. <laughs> no, he actually did referee a game. <laughs> he refereed a football match and he refereed that afternoon. So just picking up on little bits of Palace trivia, but what an afternoon. I'd, I'd moved, or I had my family had moved down to the coast by that point, and Brighton were not anywhere near the the sort of influence that they, they are now for for the you know local communities in, in Sussex. But there was an air about them because they'd had, I think this was their first promotion since relegation. In the 80s, I don't think they'd been in the top two tiers and they were quite excited. Um, Bobby Zamora had scored an absolute bucket load the season before for them and they had high hopes they kept on to him. So for us to kind of reintroduce ourselves to them with a 5 0 at Selhurst was, was absolutely wonderful because I do think at that point they, they really felt they were going to sustain the momentum that they had. But I think, uh, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they went straight back down that season. I don't think they hung around for long. And um, and eventually Bobby Zamora did depart for quite unflattering spell at Spurs, if, if memory serves me right. But yeah, very nice to to say hello to them. I, d- what was the reverse fixture that season at the Withdean? Nil nil. Nil nil. Danny okay. Granville yeah. got sent off, and I think yeah, Danny okay. Granville sent did he? off. Yeah, Palace's forward line that day. Oh my word, that evening rather at, at the Withdean. At the with Dean that night. Oh, okay, I, I give you one almost just from that kind of era. Genuinely won't get either of these two. I, I think I, I think I will. I think I'll get, I think possibly someone like Delhi Adebola. Yeah, very oh, good. Damn it. Very and good. Adi Akinbaye. <laughs> Noel Whelan. Oh, my oh God. wow. I forgot we had a we had a, we had a spell of really weird late nineties, mid two thousands, um, or early two thousands loanies around that time, didn't yeah. we? Noel Whelan is a great shout that. for the forgettable Palace Eleven. Oh, I'd completely forgotten that he was he was ever wearing our colours. So just, just talking of sort of like um, uh, joint Palace and Brighton, you know, played for both or managed both. And you you, you mentioned Jolly there, um, who did turn out for the Palace fans in the Remp game a couple of years 
uh, would have been about 2011, 2012, I think, uh, a few years later, and completely ran the game, completely ran it, and also went through one of the Brighton lads and then offered him help for a fight. Just very much in the spirit of the game, I would say, Jolly, but clearly not lost any of that competitive. Pirate by name, pirate by nature, what a guy. No, he was, oh, he was, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, around the same time, another Brighton player, oh no, he left a bit later, but I think possibly would have been playing for Palace that day. I'm oh, sorry, Palace player. Went to play for Brighton. Can anyone name him? Playing on the 5-0? I don't know if he played in the 5-0. Let me have a quick look. Oh, I don't know if I've got the thing. But he would have been playing for Palace at that time and then later joined Brighton. Uh, Midfielder, if that helps. I've got nothing. Wasn't playing on the day. Wasn't playing. I mean, left, I think, that season. So, Dom, No. No, no. Listener? <laughs> Listener. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Thompson. Oh. Did he play at Brighton, did he? You guys remember him? So Scottish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scored, yes, played... scored that corker at Leicester. Yeah. Scored the corker at Leicester, Lo- yeah. Lovely, lovely fellow, Steve Thompson. Really bright, Weirdly, bright. For, for no... I mean, he was a very average midfielder, but for some reason, he was my favourite player for about a year. I thought he was really underrated and tidy and so obviously when he scored that goal at Leicester I was going I told you so to no one who was <laughs> list wanted to listen uh, but I thought he was absolutely brilliant but yeah did, did end up JD Senior just telling you to shut up and get it <laughs> <laughs> while he's throwing a, a flare um, at the Brighton fans I've got a weird one to throw about that that um that Palace match, uh, the, the cup match, where uh, there is there appears to be no surviving video of that ever was, if that was ever filmed, that cup replay. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our goal scorer that day, um, this, this was an, an... So the referee that day, uh, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea... It was at Chelsea, sorry. Brighton uh, scored. He gave Brighton a penalty. Um, they scored. He had it retaken. Paul Hammond saved. Then he disallowed another Brighton goal. And then we won 1-0. And in, in a period where David Swindlehurst and Rashid Hash-Kook were, were notching up 20 goals a season between them every season, uh, our goal scorer is one that the name had to be sort of, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm a Palace player. I don't know if you, if you would get it, a forward that, that had only just joined us that year. This is the fellow who went on to manage Brentford, is it? Or not? It might be. Not mad, though. Ron notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, surprised he didn't put himself in the team quite back, quite back then. <clears throat> no, it was Phil Holder. Oh. Yeah, he managed Brentford for three years in the 90s. Yeah. We had a team that 76, 77 that same year. Uh, uh, this is remarkable when you think of what football is now, now like as a squad game. We had three players played every single minute of that season. <laughs> wow. Minute, really? That wow. wow. Yeah. On those pitches, yeah. that from you, that. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And one of them was our veteran, Jim Cannon. You might expect that. Ian Evans. And then 18-year-old Kenny Sanson. Yeah. Wow. Who also played for the youth team that year and ended the season <laughs> lifting the youth trophy for us. So, rumours, uh, are, rumours are that Jim Cannon didn't go inside that whole season. He just stayed on the pitch for all year. <laughs> walking from grounds to grounds. He did, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the referee for that game was uh, Peter Walton. Peter Walton. He's his own. <laughs> um, Tony, Tony, living in the States, you probably don't get insight from from tony Walton, but living in the uk neither do we so don't worry about it it's all <laughs> hey, okay. very nice <laughs> very nice and poor old peter my brother-in-law died suddenly and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home that's why i told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer 
an agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. So there we go. Yeah, so I think 5-0, the 5-0 certainly, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure, is on a lot of people's um, lists. Uh, shall we move on to, well, if we are going chronologically, Jack, should we come on to you? And I know you're sort of, you've sort of got two up for the offering here. I should say as well, I should have said this at the start of the podcast. Um, we're fully aware that most people would probably choose Wilfred Zaha's two goals at the Amex in 2013 playoff semi-final <laughs> as the greatest of Palace Brighton memory. So what we've done with this is we've tried to we've tried to say it, it, 
If not Wilf, what are your other moments? Because most of our comments from listeners have been, well, Wilf, obviously, but I also enjoyed dot, 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 dot. Um, so similar, will... similar to the text messages between the two of us before this pod. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I won't say are most weeks. Um, I uh, So we will come on to Wilf, obviously, in, in a bit. Um, but for our selections, personally, we're going to sort of try and avoid that. So, uh, Jack, what are yours? Yours are quite close, though, I think, your two selections. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned two, but my my first experience of uh, Brighton or Palace Brighton in the flesh um, was perhaps one of the most disheartening and the shoddy performance that culminated in Paul McShane uh, scoring a looping header. Former over, Palace, uh, sorry, almost Palace legend. Almost Palace legend. Um, yeah, in, with about 10 minutes to go on a very cold Tuesday night at Sellers in a game which nobody remembers except for Paul McShane looping a header over. I'm going to say Gabor. I think Gabor was was in goal still as the season we came down from the Premier League. Uh, two, late, yeah, yeah. Autumn 2005. So that was my yeah. first Palace. But no, I, I went for um, what I'm uh, joyfully going to refer to as Brighton's first ever defeat at the Amex. Uh, 27th of September 2011 um, Brighton had just come up from uh, League One and uh, had started the season fairly well I think were fairly confident that they would see off um, Palace and then Palace came in off the back of three defeats three league defeats in a row and absolutely stunned the Amex with three goals in the last 10 minutes An absolutely fantastic evening and again a little bit like the um, uh, result that in the game that we've just talked about, Jim, kind of reintroducing one another after a few years' separation by us putting them back in their place. So, yeah, absolutely great evening. Um, some some lovely elements to this game. I, I didn't realise, I, I knew that Johnny Williams, Sean Scanner and Wilfred Zaha featured in the game. What I'd forgotten is they'd actually all started. Mm-hmm. Dougie had actually started all three of them behind Glenn Murray. And we were good value. We went behind uh, fairly early on Craig McHale-Smith, uh, nodded and I seem to recall at the other end um, from the Palace fans but pretty much after we we kind of weathered the storm with the first 15-20 minutes we were the better team throughout the whole game and and had the better chances and um, I do recall it being uh, Mile Jedinak's first kind of showing of his of his aura and his ability to dominate in midfield he didn't have a particularly good season his first season at Palace uh, struggle with injuries didn't have much of a pre-season but kind of highlighted his quality in moments and that Brighton game in September was was one of the first ones I remember him you know just just dominating the um the, the midfield um throughout so that that was great and then Palace legend Alexander Tunchev starting at the back so that that's uh, <laughs> my only memory I don't think he uh, he featured too many times for Palace um, so so that's another memory um, but the goals themselves with 10 minutes to go Wilf dancing round uh, statues um, in, in the Brighton midfield and defence and uh, Daisy Cutter beating Kasper Ankergren was great and, and to be honest it's the least we deserved um, and then two goals in, in I think the 90th minute and then uh, in injury time Darren Ambrose bundling the ball in from, from close range which then led to, to one of the most um, cult moments in, in recent Palace history um, I presume you can either bleep this out, but for fuck's sake, Murray uh, will go down. And uh, if I was to ever get a tattoo, it's quite possibly going to be that. But what a moment. Glenn Murray going back to the, well, not going back, he never played at the Amex, um, but going back to Brighton um, and uh, scoring. I, and Was that his first Palace goal, Dom? I've got a funny feeling it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it might have been. So, um, yeah, just capping it off and... Um, 
wonderful to be the influence for Brian and Hove Albion's first fire drill at their new stadium that evening. So it's uh, not like it wasn't. Yeah. He scored against Blackpool at home. Oh yes, the one one. The one one. Yeah. yeah, nice finish that as well. Um but yeah, I, that I, I'm gonna have to pull you up though, Jack. Go you on, know, please, w- please. Wilfred Zaha is not 31. Um, no, hold on, that's all right. Uh, as much as I would love it if Palace were the first team to to win at the Amex, other than Brighton. Um, Did they lose in the car link? Were, they, were we the they first the league? To they Liverpool. lost in the cup to Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, but we were the first oh, league. Yeah. Uh, Jack's right, we were Sorry. the first league team. First league victory by an away yeah. team. Sorry, listener, I, I hate to mislead you. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I think we should claim it, to be honest. We should claim oh. it. Liverpool, Liverpool don't want it. If you're a Brighton fan at that at that time and you're building this, let's be honest, very nice new stadium. It is a great, great modern yeah, yeah, new yeah. stadium. And you're and you're finally in there after <laughs> years of ground hopping around with Dean and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then you're there. What is the last thing you want? The last thing you want is to lose the first derby there and that be the first league defeat ever. That's the last thing you want. I think Palace fans should wear that with a badge of honour. I agree. I think the next last thing you want is uh, Glenn Murray scoring the winner, isn't it, in the 90th minute? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah. And to top it off, the last thing you want on top of that is Murray scoring uh, the winner as well. As Jack said, it did end up with this iconic... I mean, if, if, if you're wondering right now what FFS Murray means and you're like, well, sorry, why is Jack saying that? To give some context, a Brighton fan was filming from the home end behind the goal that that uh, Murray scored in. Filming him, this is a time when people would film themselves doing a lot of reactions at, at games. So they were thinking of actually filming the footage, which you actually can't do. And his reaction was to say, oh, for F's sake, Murray. I can't remember what else he said. Little warning, guys. Some swearing coming up, although I think you probably knew that's going to happen. The stupidest thing about that is, Dom, obviously the video is hilarious, but as a Brighton fan saying that, why would you upload that to YouTube? I, I, but I don't understand. People do it all the time now, don't they? And it makes me just feel so old and out of touch. I don't understand why people do it. Um, I don't understand how well, that Manchester United fan sat, sits on YouTube and and films himself watching a game off, off screen um, and gets all worked up when... But that's, so you're lose. talking about Mark Mark Goldbridge, yeah? That's fella, is, yeah. You, you oh, mean that's, the mul, mul, the multi-millionaire Mark Goldbridge? Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm doing wrong. You see, I'm so out of touch. <laughs> oh a Dom Fivefield watch along. Oh, oh. We, all, we need that. We need that. Now Mark Goldbridge is behind Andy Kaufman. I think the greatest sort of uh, character comedian um, of his time. But that, that's obviously very different because he's obviously paid to do that. Th- this kid, this Brighton kid, I think his name was Jamie. So I don't know why I remember that. I just don't like. I don't. He was, he was a nobody. And I don't understand why he would upload that. Owning yourself so much. And it's just giving Palace fans cannon fodder yeah. for years. To, I mean, I think we sold hundreds of T-shirts at FYP with FFS Murray on the front of the back of it. Made an absolute killing. Such a great phrase as well. It's, it literally, it's, it's literally something you do when you spill something in the kitchen. It's not something you say at a football match. <laughs> I mean, in a way, maybe summing up, you know, the uh, stereotypes of Brighton fans there, that, that they're sort of a bit of fair weather anyway. Maybe, bit, maybe they posh. had, yeah, they, they may well have spilled their quinoa and salad or something, <laughs> I don't know. But, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Great. No, that, that was that was my win. I decided to, to go with that as my favourite game, but I have to give special mention to the the 3-0 
um, in the promotion season, the one that we won, not the one that they won. Yeah. Um, that was great. Uh, that's my favourite time of the season, you know, December, January, proper cold weather, everyone in coats, everyone, you know, enjoying it, everyone in the pub before the game. And, um, yeah, to, to see them off as easily as we did, albeit helped by Lewis Dunk getting sent off after five minutes, but that, that probably adds to the, the romance of it, to be honest. Um, and we absolutely battered them. It should have been more than three, but... In terms of a particular moment from that game, um, Yannick Balassi putting yeah. Bruno in the crowd um, with his backside, um, yeah, it doesn't get any any better than that. So, um, yeah, that was a very close second. And I, I think a few fans mentioned that one as well, Jim. Yeah, they did. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that game was fantastic. And that was really when Palace were really hitting their stride that season. That, right. was, that was Holloway's like, yeah. amazing start. Yeah, It wasn't long after beating, Bright, uh, beating Blackburn in you know, the it, game where it, Holloway was yeah. announced and we smashed Blackburn. Yeah, there's only three uh, nil again that day, but it's five nil, five one. Yeah, yeah. Good, there were good times. I mean, the Murray header in that three nil, you know, he sort of leaps like a salmon at the near post. But as you say, the 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 moment in that game really actually isn't a goal. It is the 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 Balassi shoulder barge slash backside barge on Bruno, which was I mean, as you say, puts him puts him into the Arthur way. I mean, it's absolutely absolutely fantastic uh and again really summed up just the impact balassi was having at that time as well he was alongside wilf he was completely untouchable um that season but he is back on his feet now and we'll have to face up to a corner kick from crystal palace the good delivery the header and goal glenn murray has broken the derby deadlock and there's no feeling like scoring against your old club on an occasion such as this. A lot of our listeners uh, are down with the Murray one. Richard St. Pierre has just said, for fuck's sake, Murray, it's all he said. <laughs> Chris Williams has just put FFSM. He couldn't even be asked to type out Murray. He's just... Uh, we know what you mean. Thing. We know what we you know mean. We know what you mean, mate. Uh, Jamie McCollum, the 3-1 win in our first game at the Amex from 1-0 down and regarded as underdogs very much were. And yeah, and they spent all this money on Craig McHale-Smith. He was supposed yeah. to be their big signing. Uh, and of course, Palace... Uh, three and a half million, I think, they spent on him that summer. From Peterborough. From Peterborough, it? yeah. No, and, and, and I mean, he didn't end up... You know, Murray, the one they let go for free ended up being the much more prolific goal scorer at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, J- James says, uh, James McCollum, it's genuinely my favourite game watching Palace. Uh, and then Lee Brown, 9928, um, says beating Brighton 3-0 at home. Murray getting two that day and sitting in a box for that game. An unreal experience, especially more as it was against them mugs. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> Beautifully put. <laughs> Beautifully put. Uh, yeah, they were. Uh, that was a, a very, very, very special, not just game, but time being a Palace fan actually that that season although we did go down to the MX and lose 3-0 absolutely terrible in March whenever it was but thankfully we've got revenge should we come on to that game Dom because I'm sure people were listening saying why are you not talking about that playoff game in 2013 uh, of course it is absolutely iconic we've got so many comments from people here talking about that Els Bell Stanley um Says Wilf by a mile. The look on Wilf's face for the second goal, priceless. Think I ended up five rows in front. Brilliant celebrations. Ben Pierce. This will also be one that I think uh, is right up Jack's. Right up, oh yeah, here we go. Okay, yeah. So Ben. Well, again, but again, this is why we know that you're you're related because this is very much. I know you listen to football cliches up your street. It says the sound of Wilf's second goal hitting the bar <laughs> and net after turning Gordon Greer. Goosebumps. Every time, uh, Don, where were you for this one? Were you at the Amex? Oh, I, I was. I I was in the press box, although I wasn't writing live. I was I was there basically to 
do the post-match mix zone um, with the victorious team with a view to writing a preview of the playoff final to follow. Um, the, the press box at Brighton is um, has a number of two-seater desks, so you sit next to a, a colleague, and then along the edges it has single-seaters. So um, I was in one of the single-seaters, and in front of me was a, was a young lad starting out in journalism at the time. I think he was at one of the Croydon papers called Graham Moody, who now teaches journalism at a yeah. a, at a college in, in South West nice London. Guy. Lovely, lovely, lovely fella. And I'm forever apologising to him for, for what I did to him when Wolf scored the second goal. Because I, I very, 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 very rarely lose it in a press box. I, I can count on the fingers of one hand how many times I've even hinted at a celebration, I'd like to think, over the years, including like, you know, Palace winning at Anfield when I was covering Liverpool for the Guardian and stuff and punching the desk with Paul Newman underneath the desk so that the the locals didn't see and and that lot while Simon Jordan went berserk next to us. Um, But but winning 2-0 at Brighton in a game when the top scorer is on crutches on the bench and you don't really have any chance of of getting a result at all was, was too much. And I got a bit excited and I accidentally punched Graham in the face. Wow, not where I thought that was going. <laughs> I mean, he was all right. Gra- but Graham, Graham left look. journalism shortly after <laughs> yeah, to yeah, teaching. Yeah, oh dear, I'm so sorry, Graham. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, <laughs> was he was he a Brighton fan? No, that would have been just like normal. It was a celebratory punch, adding <laughs> insult <laughs> to injury or injury to insult. I'm not sure. Very, very much a celebratory punch, I, I would say. It's understandable. <laughs> it's completely understandable. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was going to say, Tony, actually, in that game, because obviously we've had uh, well two mentions for the second goal there, where Wilf sp- really puts the game to bed. But I, I think there'll be a lot of Palace fans who will enjoy the first goal, which is the header from the Balassi cross and a very rare sight. Wilf uh, scoring a header, nipping in behind uh, Wayne Bridge as well. You know, very experienced fullback to do so. What what moment from that game, if we are picking a particular moment, stands out for you more out of those two or, or any others maybe in the game? Oh, it, it would be the uh, it, it, it would be the, the, the second goal because that, that that sealed it, right? I mean, that, that, that sealed it. I also just think, uh, I mean, you, that, that's one that you couldn't have scripted better. And I'm giving you that sort of history earlier. It's, it's more about that's how the rivalry uh, was created. But, you know, watching uh, When Eagles Dare, which is, is a really fantastic documentary. I, I, I mean, being that, that long, it may be mainly for Palace fans, but it really is fantastic. You feel it. You feel every every moment of this, including, of course, you know, Turd Gate. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, all that. yeah, you know, I mean, it's all part and parcel of this incredible, incredible season. And among the many, many reasons to love Wilf is Wilf always understood the rivalry, maybe because he grew up in, 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 in Selhurst. He got that rivalry. So he knew what this meant. This wasn't just, oh, I'm putting us in the, in the, uh, in the playoff final. This is, I'm sticking it to Brighton. And as you pointed out, Jack, you know, he got the goal uh the first goal a couple of years earlier in that in that three nil comeback uh three one comeback with three goals in the last 10 minutes he understands it and i think you know when he when he scored the first that's not that's not enough to 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 get us there is it quite you're not safe yet but scores the second you're you're safe you're going to wembley um it's just magic it's just it is one of the great palace moments and because it's more recent it's easy for any of us if you just said to me you know what's your most um 
sort of visible in your memory banks, your most visible memory, it would be that that game. Um, you know, I, I went back to the early days because it's just this collective memory of that rivalry being created. But uh, that's just one of those glorious football moments that, that if you were writing Roy of the Rovers back in the 30s and, you know, you could have written this futuristic science fiction one day, they'll have playoffs and they will have squads and there will be players of colour. And all of this would have sounded futuristic, but the nature of, of what went on that day in that rivalry would have been like, yeah, that's football. That's yeah. perfect football. Yeah, beautifully put. And this game, this game did have everything. Of course, it had Poogate beforehand, which which I'd forgotten about. But yeah, it was a, was a very, uh, just a very sort of like um, important part of the day, you know, and Holloway using it as part of his <laughs> team talk, even though it turns out it was the bus driver and it wasn't actually Charlie Oatway or, or Gus Poyet or whoever the rumours were that it was in the end. You, know, you had... Um, you had Thoroni's save tipping on the bar from Ashley Barnes earlier on in the game, one of the one of the great Palace saves of all time. And the fact that Palace were underdogs. Again, Brighton were expected to, you know, to go on to the final. Um, and actually, every time we played them since, and we'll come on to some of those moments and again in the Premier League, Palace have probably been the the bigger team or more more experienced in the Premier League, expected to win. This was classic Palace underdog situation, again, fighting against the Amazing. odds. And and doing with, what with, they do. with what was on the line as well, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's not just a great famous win in Palace folklore because we went there on a Tuesday night and or a Monday night as it was and 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 won two 0 against the odds. It was to go to Wembley. It was yeah. to have a shot at getting into the Premier League. It had it had everything, and you know that it's for me. And I think I I think this will probably be the case for the rest of my time. The most regretful I am at not being at a Palace match. I just couldn't get a ticket, um, but I watched it at home. Uh, with the aforementioned Ben Pierce, and uh, we had a great time. Uh, for me, the game changed with the 60 seconds of the incredible save that you just mentioned from Jules. But not only that, Dee Moxie knocks the resulting corner off the line from a header, free header. We hadn't organised ourselves, and they had a free header, and 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 that moment, I felt the game changed on that. Within minutes, Jed and I, uh, Jedi's spraying the ball out left, and um, and Balassi's got Calderon on toast, and we're one nil up. And uh, I think that rightfully Wolf gets all the credit, all the praise. It's his night. It's, it's you know, his moment. But the save from Jules is sensational. And for, for a, a keeper in the second tier to pull off a save of that quality at that time says everything about Julian Sproni. And we don't need to talk about Julian Sproni anymore because everybody listening to this knows, you know, how, how well respected he is by Palace fans. But what a night. Incredible. And yeah, for me... The, the second goal is the moment that the, the tur- it, it was the it was the coming of age of Wilf. You know, we'd seen moments, but he he owned that moment. He he took on their captain Gordon Greer, held him off with absolute ease, and then walloped it into the top corner off the bar. Uh, what a moment! Unbelievable. Um, and you know, the rest the rest was history. Yeah, and you're right about the timing as well because. Uh, I, I've always believed that had Palace not gone up that season, and again, we upset the odds in the final game because Watford were expected you know, to win mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I think we'd have been a second-tier team for a long time, and I think that was that we had to go up that season. We didn't really know at the time, but we sort of had to. Whereas Brighton were so well-shaped in terms of spending and stuff, they could have, well, they did a couple of years later, challenged a couple of years later for, they lost, it, lost again, didn't they? And it took them a while, yeah. but they could, they could do that. I think we would have been we would have been down longer than they were, I think, in terms what, of... That, was... What I take from that night, because, you know, living where I live, I've, I've got a fair few friends who are Brighton fans, and, and one Brighton fan who, you know, his time goes back to the Goldstone, and, you know, what travelling around the, the south of England, trying to find them wherever they were playing that Saturday, um, he remembers feeling a bit embarrassed and kind of highlighted the, you know, 
Tony used the phrase plastics earlier, but that then was their best season in 20 years, uh, maybe pushing even 30 years in terms of league finish. You know, okay, they've been beaten by their bitterest of rivals, but the streaming of fans out of the ground before the full-time whistle, it did set for a small period of time at least, you know, perhaps more uh, in the mud palace, uh, sorry, Brighton fans against those that were relatively new to supporting the club. And there was a a degree of animosity between the fans because the, the fans that perhaps had seen the tougher times were not particularly happy with streams mm-hmm. of Brighton fans leaving a game before they had a chance to thank their players for what had been a very good season for them. Um, I guess that just makes the Palace one even even better that we cause grief amongst their own. And was it that game? Was it that game where there was a, a picture on the TV screens of a young man crying into his clappers? Into his clapper, yeah. <laughs> it just again, doesn't get just, better. Just, yeah. Yeah. This game had everything. It really doesn't. This yeah. game had absolutely everything. That was uh, sensational. Again, yeah. sums it all up. Let me read out a few more comments and then we'll come on to Dom's uh, favourite Palace Brighton moment. Uh, Jay Bristow, 89, the crowd reaction to the first goal in the semi and the noise of the ball clipping the bar, hitting the net for the second. There we go. I'll try and, I'll try and clip that up, see if we can get that we can get that in so everyone can hit, enjoy that sound um, as well. Been chasing that away day high ever since, mm. says Jay Bristow. Yeah. Dickachoy. Zaha! Um, Chris at Palace by Numbers. Cue for the train after the game uh, in the playoff game. Just singing about Wembley and everything else. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right in the Brighton fans' faces because everyone's getting the same train. Um, And uh, Lil Ben, CPFC. My two daughters and I, mum in brackets, on the park and ride bus after the semi-final win with lots of Brighton supporters still high on adrenaline but standing quietly until we got off the bus, unlike Chris, Palace by Numbers. Then we danced our way back up the road to the car in the car park. I think we can all appreciate moments like that. Absolutely brilliant. a little obsessive about supporting my local community. I buy local produce, uh, local toothpaste, yeah, trampolines, artisanal cat toys. I'm just a local gal. That's why I was so excited to learn that banking with a local community bank supports local businesses every day. I can finally stop thinking about it. So I'm celebrating with a staycation and some local peanut brittle. Yum. Bank with a community bank and help your community grow. Find yours at banklocally.org. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. We are, for the most part, a reactionary society. If your neighbor has a break-in, you think about getting an alarm. If your buddy gets laid off, you say, I better buckle down at work. If banks start closing, you may want to ask yourself if you should keep most or all of your money in a bank. It may be time for a portfolio protection plan. It may be time to have a little personal gold reserve. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. 
Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. But this isn't the moment we're going for today. We're going for our non-Wilf moment. So, Dom, let's come on to you uh, for yours. What's left? Well, you know what? There is quite a lot left, and I'm quite surprised we haven't mentioned Kelvin Morton yet. Yeah, um, yeah. We've, well, we're going to have to do the best of the rest in a minute because there's so many yeah. more. We do have a lot That's... more comments. We do. I, I was uh, I was lucky enough, I think I was lucky enough, to be at the With Dean for J.B. McEnough in the last minute, but, but that was such a soulless experience the whole going going to with dean it was so depressing and and there was no sense of atmosphere because it all got lost into the the game through binoculars oh it's dreadful yeah, wasn't it so back. i mean even the last minute win over rivals who we were expected to beat that day didn't feel particularly worthy of of a massive celebration but and you know i think we we did a podcast jim immediately after benteke in the last minute um how do you find it as a, as a an amazing stat, an amazing stat that that Palace have scored with their last four shots on targets at the Amex. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. Going, <laughs> are you? Who who who's are you? Mateta, Benteke, and Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just staggering. But yeah. no, the one the one that I went for, and this was largely because I don't think I've ever seen Palace score a better goal. Um, is is this one? So I'm just going to read the names. Um. Luca, Hughes, Gallagher, Anderson, Butland, Mateta, Gay, Anderson, Ward, Gallagher, Alise, Ward, Mateta, Ward, doing his Cafu, Mitchell, Hughes, Ward, Schlup, Gallagher. 51 seconds, 20 unchecked passes, all 11 players involved. Palace go 1-0 up at Brighton with their, their only shot on target in the game last season. And I, I genuinely... And I know... <laughs> I don't think it even got voted. It may have got into the into the month, goal of the month competition, but it was nowhere near one of the the, the winners. I don't think. And, and there are, you know, obviously individual brilliance tends to trump team goals, but I don't think you'll ever see a better team goal than that. Um, suppose- Palace away at Liverpool was close yeah. in, mm-hmm. when they beat the press, but that didn't involve all eleven players in, in the same team in, as, as part of the part of the move. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Palace score a goal like that before. And I think if there if it was one moment that sort of typifies 
the slight change in emphasis at Palace between the pragmatism of an aging squad under Roy Hodgson and just staying up and, and doing it in a way that is effective but not necessarily beautiful to watch to what we're all aspiring to be doing under Patrick Vieira with a revitalised, younger, more youthful squad and more dynamic squad of players, then that goal was the, that sort of set the bar and that's what we're still trying to to emulate on more occasions this season. I have to, I have to say that's the best goal I think I've ever seen Paris score. Best team goal. I think it's one of the best team goals I've seen any team score. And I was watching that game here on uh, here on TV, and the fact that that was against Brighton as well. The fact, that, as you point out, only shot on target mm-hmm. uh, in a in a just world where where football is recognised as being like a team game and a squad game. That would have been everybody's goal of the season. People are always looking for bangers, and I get mm-hmm. that. You know, there's there's nothing quite like a thirty yard you know shot from from outside the box. Obviously, like you know, Andros Townsend. Those are the ones we remember, but. What an incredible run of play. I remember watching it saying, they haven't touched the ball for a while, have they, Brighton? And he just went on. It's like, what's, what's Wardy doing across the pitch? What's he doing? Like, you're, like, telling, you're telling me, Tony, I, I got a nosebleed for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, and, and then just the fact that that, which you're quite rightly, Dom, saying the best team goal you've seen had a score, the fact that that's against Brighton. Yeah, just yeah. you know, it's just another reason to love the rivalry, isn't it? It could have been yeah. against anybody, and it still it could have been against Chesterfield. It would have still been a wonderful team goal, but it's against Brighton. It's, it's against Graham Potter's Brighton time. as well. You know, yeah. Graham Potter getting the plaudits for quite rightly for everything that he's done there, and and the revamp that he's instigated in that squad, or he had done before, upping sticks with Bruno to go to Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton, le- Brighton legend, couldn't wait to go. <laughs> um, but to do it in that on that occasion, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, the, the weird thing about it is, I, I was like you, Tony. I, I, I watched it, watching it live. It's one of those ones where you sort of the, the ball sort of meandering around the halfway line and going back towards Butland, and you sort of looking down at your notes and glancing up again. Are we still got it? Fine. And then you only sort of get, really get interested when it's in the final third. And, and I, I, I just thought, wow, it's a brilliant. The, the, the moves in the in the final third on, on you know attacking that end were were absolutely superb. But then I got a call or a message off my desk saying um jesus that was a goal and i was like yeah it was it was decent wasn't it and he's no, no, it literally it involved everybody and it was only when i sort of pieced it back together with their guidance really afterwards and got back onto a y scout and and clipped all these the graphics together and I, that's when i really realized that this was something quite special even the, the sky clip that went out on twitter that night i don't think it included the the sort of you know luca gathering the ball from Webster's header and, and the, the little passing around the back. It all started from uh, Mateta's touch from Butland's long punt. And it's, yeah, uh, well, it was it was remarkable. It's very, very unusual as well. I would have thought that all 11 players were involved. I mean, even Man City and Liverpool don't do that. Well, Dom, yeah. Dom I'm, I'm glad you didn't realise straight away. Otherwise, you'd gone looking for Graham Moody again. So it's all good. So. <laughs> Pummeling him into the dirt. <laughs> Graham cowering under his desk at home, <laughs> waiting for Dom to come through the window. Mitchell, Ward continuing to stay in the attack, Hughes, Gallagher's free on the edge of the box, oh it's going to break here to Schlupp, Gallagher, Gallagher, barely had a touch in the game, but he makes another impact this season for Crystal Palace. That's a great point though, because that, that goal was one of those that until you have a chance to piece it back, unless you're avidly watching us build up play, and to be fair it was... One of the first times, as, as Tony says, Brighton didn't have control of the game. Yeah. Um, but you don't realise it goes back to that many passes. And 
And I think you also have to credit the finish. It's a very, very clever finish from Gallagher. Yeah. It's literally the only part of the goal that he can aim at, and he, and he absolutely nails it. Um, so, what a yeah, wonderful goal. And, um, yeah, we scored a beauty that night, and I think Brighton had to rely on a very fortunate one for them, despite dominating the game. So, yeah, just one of those things. But, yeah, what a, what a lovely goal. It's just, it's just not a goal you see much as a Palace fan, really. You know, it's, it, it, I don't think you uh, see it as a football fan. No, no I agree. agree. I agree. But it's not. You know, I mean, as you said, it was the you know the first season under Vieira, so first time we're hoping to see more free flowing football. But even then, you don't expect a goal of of that quality. And as but, you're reading the, oh, gone. It, well, it was it was the only 51 seconds of the game that we did do that. I mean, the rest yeah, of yeah. it was all Brian <laughs> possessions. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. if they'd scored one, they would have had you know 90 minutes virtually of, of right, which tapping is it around amongst themselves. Similar to the previous the game from the previous season, which we'll come on to in a minute um, <laughs> uh, as well. But just I'll just I'll just we give the last word on this to Jack, obviously, because as you're reading the names out of there of the, of the move, is Wardy's name popping up? That's the, always the biggest surprise. And as you said, did this sort of Kafir impression? But it was just another example, you know. And and well, is is the stat still true that Joel? Ward's never lost. He's, ne- he's never to lost Brighton. to Brighton. He's never lost to Brighton. That's mad. Absolutely yeah. mad. And 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 you know, and in this goal, Jack, not not just that, but heavily involved, integral to the goal itself. Amazing. I mean, it makes no sense. It makes no <laughs> sense. What what was he doing there? Um, I mean, maybe it was that element that we just hadn't had control of the ball, and and Brighton may have been slightly disorganised, and the instruction from within the team or from the sideline was. You know, let's get numbers up there. They're not quite ready for this. And <laughs> Joel did his best Forrest Gump impression and got himself on the uh, inside left. But yeah, yeah, great to have a, a goal as as iconic at that at that ground in that fixture that involved every player. And it's important that players like Wilf and and, and Joel Ward, as you say, have seen this most recent chapter of this rivalry for such a long period. And for new players that come into the squad. You know, say Chris Richards. Why would Chris Richards know what Brighton Palace yeah. means to, to Palace fans? But he'll have people, Jimmy Mack, Luca, these players that have now played probably 10, 12 times against this opponent. Even if originally they didn't know what the hell was going on, they now do. And it's it's great to have that continuity in the squad and that education for new players to know what it means. So when we do play them the first time this season, which could well be at our place, um, depending on when the, the rearranged fixture is, Players will know, and there's no reason for them not to know because we've got the knowledge in the squad as to what it means to to the fans and therefore the players. Yeah, and also in the same way that the game that Tony talked about, um, you link those to iconic players like Jim Cannon, like Vince Hilaire, you know, these players that were iconic at the time. It will be the Wardies and the Wilfs of this era that were, people will link with these games and, and these particular results as well in, in many years to come. It's just weird sort of living through it at the time at the moment. Um, but they will be names that we talk about when we talk about Palace Brighton for, you know, for, for many years to come. Once Brighton are back in non-league and Palace are in their <laughs> 30th Premier League winning title season. Um, shall we, if, 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 the, if the Wilf second goal in the playoff is the most iconic and the Gallagher goal last year or this year is the, is the best, I think we can all agree that the funniest is definitely Benteke's last touch oh, yeah. of the game yeah. at the Amex the year before. A few people have, have tweeted us. Adam Belton has put, Benteke's last minute winner will always stay with me as I celebrate silently to not wake my newborn. Uh, been there, mate. I'm going to be there again very soon. Um, Barry Hine. I mean, Benteke's last minute goal was hilarious, he's put. Uh, with a crying laugh emoji. Um, and Simon Froome, Wilf playoff, obviously, as everyone's nearly uh, mentioned, but Big Ben's winner 
is the funniest. Um, what? What? Obviously, you were. Um, you were. Uh, yeah, Dom. I'll tell you. I'll tell you for a minute. Um, obviously, Tony. Like, drop any... bombs like that in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought I'd already mentioned that. I thought I'd already mentioned that. Uh, yeah, due in about three weeks' time. Um, so God, I really uh, am like slow with the news. It's like my job. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I told you that. I told Graham Moody last He's still cowering, though, so, you know. Um, Tony, obviously, we were all... I mean, you're used to watching, obviously, watching from afar. We were all watching at that time because we weren't allowed um, in the ground. Had we been allowed in the ground, obviously, it would have been one of the most iconic, I think, moments of all time. But it's still... <laughs> it's one of those um, bittersweet moments because Palace were not very good. Second only touch, not a shot, touch in the box. It was a poor game from Palace, but it's an iconic way to win it. Oh, it's just it's just utterly brilliant. And and uh, as as every football manager will tell you, the only the only stat that matters at the end of the game is is the one for goals. I mean, we, yeah, we've gone stat crazy, and uh, we can talk about xG all you like. The only thing that matters is the goals. It was it was smash and grab. It was just it was just utterly brilliant. It made it made up for for you know there have been periods where Brighton have had it over us, and and, and remembering that we were meant to be team of the eighties, and you know they survived longer in that old first division than us. Um, um, you know they they uh, you know they they got cup final glory that we don't. There's there, there's things that hurt. So you take every moment that you can get in a rivalry like this, and and it's just like Murray scoring you know in the in the 90th minute, and and Wilf with those two goals when we were underdogs. Well, it, it, that was that was just brilliant. We were played off the park, completely played off the park, and we came home with the three points. Um, with a you know basically the last kick of the game, as you point out, you know, uh, 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 do you say it was a first or a second touch in the box? Second we, touch. In the the box, is that right? In the box, we had yeah. two touches in the box and we scored two goals. Yeah, yeah. that's just, I mean, just brilliant. That's what. That's why. You, that's why you have football, isn't it? It's why you don't let XG win the game. It's why you watch games because XG means nothing. It's I mean, all about smash and grab. And it's testament to the iconography of that goal that Jean-Philippe Mateta back-heeling it is not <laughs> yeah. the most iconic goal yeah. of that game. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, the fact that, uh, and that's a great point that, you know, obviously most goals you have people that were there, those people that watch on television, other than a select few Palace fans who may have been in the Amex that evening for, you know, whatever dispensation they had to be in the ground, everybody had that same experience of going ballistic at 9.58 p.m. Yeah. And getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and having chats with their neighbours the next day you're right. Everything yeah. all right. So true. Yeah. Everybody had the same experience, and well, you know, apart from Adam Belton. <laughs> but everybody, uh, yeah, everybody had that same experience, and I dare say, ninety-six percent of communication between Palace fans in the preceding or the, the next ten minutes after that goal would have been the laughing emoji because there was nothing else to say. Yeah. There was nothing else to say, and it was absolutely brilliant shouldn't be lost what a great goal it is what a fantastic mm. finish it is from Benteke technically about as good as it gets and and the other lovely bit of that that evening is because there's no crowd the the, the kind of access all well, the access all areas footage that Palace got you hear the conversation between the Palace fans and I'll always when I think of Christian Benteke I'll think of Luca jumping over him and, and just shouting Benteke you know, it's great and, and and Tony just used the phrase that Joel Ward said at the time smash and grab baby like yeah. it was the ultimate smash and grab performance it was hilarious to to use the phrase that others have used there you always I always wonder in those moments what 
erudite, interesting, insightful thing our footballers say when they score a goal. Turns out it's just... <laughs> ben ben <Tickey! laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, and as Jack says there, Dom, it was actually, take away the uh, the, t- the the two-touch stats, the XG, all that. It was a superb volley from Benteke. Technically, it was a really good strike. Yeah, right up there. I mean, it was, it was brilliant. And, and so... Out of character for a player that obviously struggled for for long periods in front of goal with while he was at Palace, um, everything about that was was brilliant because it was so unlikely. The whole thing was so unlikely. It was I, I was I was virtually hiding in the other room. I was you know poking my head around the door just now and again because it was the the, the pressure just felt in, incessant and horribly horribly oppressive. And and then they go and pluck that out and they couldn't, could they? And they bloody well did. They did indeed. They couldn't, could they? Benteke in the middle. Benteke! Absolutely unbelievable! Christian Benteke wins it for Crystal Palace. We've got we've got a few best of the rest from people that have tweeted in. Um, so I'll go through those really quickly before we sort of wrap up on this uh, this mammoth pod on Palace versus Brighton. Um, I'll try and keep it chronological. Uh, someone has uh, two people, uh, Dom. You touched on it. Have gone back to 1989, uh, the Kelvin Morton game. I wish I'd um, been there to talk about that. I mean, honestly, that we talk about crazy crazy games, crazy fixtures between these two teams. You do well to beat that. Four penalties in 30 minutes. And only finishes two one. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, it was, was it five in total. Five, five, five in penalties total. in sorry, five penalties in less than half an hour. Four to Palace. <laughs> we missed three hour. of them. <laughs> we missed three of them. What were we doing? I mean, and, and given the weird thing about it is, he, we all remember the penalties. Ian Wright scored one of the best volleys yeah. <laughs> ever in that game from the left touch line. He put it in the, the lob, sort of left foot lob. Yeah, absolutely. And yet we were incapable of scoring from the bloody penalty spot, Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Brighty. Sorry, yeah. So, what, yeah, what Pembo's shot's still rising somewhere. Yeah, it's out yeah. there in the ether. So I, I, fear, I fear for humanity when that penalty meets Wayne Hennessy's. It's going to be a bad time. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> like Armageddon. Um, so, Kelvin Morton, just for anyone who's under the context, Kelvin Morton was the referee. In Kelvin, Kelvin Kelvin Morton, um, who awarded, as Dom says, five penalties, four to Palace. Um, I think one. I think one of them is scored. I think by Brighty. I think does yeah, Brighty Bright- score a penalty yeah, and Bright- then makes it, it makes it two 0 Makes it two right. Nil, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, then we miss. Then we miss three. Essentially, Brighton misses one. Pemberton, I think, takes the fifth and blazes it halfway uh, to Croydon. I think. Uh, I'm not sure who takes I think the other. Brighty hit the post. Yeah, right. I think right. Right. Yeah. Bright. Right. And Pembo. Yeah. And, and and after I'm guessing after that or in between that, um, Alan Kerbishley, I think, gets the goal for Brighton. He just, he just hates us, doesn't he? <laughs> Clearly. He's, but that was a penalty as well. Right, that, that was, was a pen. penalty, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they weren't all for Palace. That's no, four, four Palace, one Brighton. <laughs> I mean, in a way, that's Under very... half an hour. In under half an hour? <laughs> What's going on? What I lo- what it's I love obviously a derby match. It's obviously a grudge match, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, some of them were really bad penalties. I mean, as in, obviously taken all, but they weren't penalties. You look at the replays of that game. Deary me. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. 
Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. friend of the pod jd richard foster I, I read an article from him about this game because that one of the best parts of the the highlight package of that game is kelvin morton's running away from <laughs> players to the edge of the penalty area <laughs> and kelvin morton indicates in the article that that was the FA, fa directive which i just refuse to believe because it just looks it does look like something out like of benny hill it's absolutely absurd <laughs> Um, and it, yeah, it doesn't give you confidence in the referee and his his own ability to make his own decisions if he's just running away. Could, do you think there's been a closer call for a referee to actually just stop the game halfway through and be like, does anyone else want the whistle? Because I can't do this. Pembo? Like, I, I, I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it gets even mad. So, so, so Toby Kinder has messaged in and said, um, hey, Toby. Hi, Toby. I probably laughed at Pembo's penalty in that game as hard as I did as Penteke's winner at the Amex. And to be fair, um, well, I guess... It, it's only 2-1 at the time. So actually it's not, there's me thinking the Palace are winning heavily. Only, only 2-1. Uh, of course, um, hindsight allows you to laugh at that, I guess. Um, Chris Lehman from the One More Point fanzine Thank goes Chris. into it more specifically. He says, the crazy two minutes, two pens in a minute in the Brighton game. Brighton's pen is saved, goes out the box, then back in. Then another pen 30 seconds later, right hits the post. Uh, so that's it. Uh, winning, laughing, stress, breathless all the time. At the same time, crazy minute of football. I really was sort of sucker punch football uh, from Palace, uh, and in a classic Palace way, they couldn't even do it right. You you couldn't have just had one pint after that game, could you? You couldn't have a, you couldn't just have had one for the road. No. You'd have had to, you know, just. Re- I mean, I guess in the yeah, no chance of a text message. So <laughs> you just would have had to deal with the the grief later on that you were three hours late. Sorry, just so celebrate. Sorry, Kelvin Morton. <laughs> Kelvin Morton. <laughs> Do you, do you feel satisfied after a 2-1 win when you've missed three penalties no, of course not. against the Derby? <laughs> no. Despite oh, the fact oh, that you... Ian Wright scored one of the best goals you've ever seen in your life. I mean, yeah. It's... yeah, but this is the one stat that matters, isn't it, Don? Yeah, you, yeah, win, yeah. you win the game against Brighton. Yeah. I mean, you're still laughing. You're like, hey, we missed three penalties. We've got three points. I think, yeah. and also Richard's article, was Richard's article touches on the fact that that win heightened Brighton's relegation problems. They did avoid it. So you probably would have enjoyed that element of it and maybe forgotten about Pembos. But probably walk into the goat house or wherever you walk into, you probably got hit by the penalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably or, or saw one of the buses on fire because, you know, the, the ball hit. I don't know. <laughs> All sorts of drama. Um, 
A few more games that, to mention. What's that, what, what is that conversation? Your, your two best players have both missed penalties and they say, who wants the next one? And the right back steps up and says, I'll have it. Yeah, I'll have <laughs> it. What's he, how many has he scored in, in training? Well, I was going to say, well, Dom, was it was Pember a penalty taker then? Had Pember ever taken any before? Well, no, ju- judging by his penalty. <laughs> no, that, no. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I think... Was Jeff Thomas already injured then? Because he missed most of that season through injury, didn't he? Yeah. The promotion season. That's who sprung to mind that the captain would take the ball. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure he would have been. I mean, we had, there must have been other figures. It was I mean, Andy Gray wasn't there. Obviously, he didn't come back until the following year, back up in the first division. But, but, uh, I mean, and Dave Madden, who ended up scoring all the penalties towards the end of the season yeah, in, yeah. in the playoff, that wasn't that. couldn't have been on the pitch. I mean, I can't. I mean, he couldn't have been. I don't know what the lineup was that day, but, but. <laughs> I mean, dear give, me, Pembo. Give it, give it to Pembo. <laughs> Mind you, he made up for it at Villa Park, didn't he? So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yes. very true. Very true. We'll, we'll let him off the hook. So some delightful skills and delivers a great ball out to Bill Barber. What can he do? Face by Chivers, looking for Burke in support. Goes for the far post. Ian Wright's there. And that is penalty number five. Handball given against Ian Chapman. I think it may have been Keith Dublin. They both went up for the ball together. And incredibly, we have penalty number five on our hands. Amazing happenings here at Sellers Park. We've had two scored, one by Bright, one by Kirbishley so far. And it's going to be John Pemberton, the Palace right back, who's trusted for this spot kick. Very confident right back John Pemberton. Hasn't taken a penalty kick for Palace before. How will he fare here? He's missed it. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Right, before we finish, we've got some best of the rest uh, moments that we've missed out so far. We're going to save these for our patrons. So head on over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast to hear those. You know, I'm, I'm just th- thinking about that. You know, what I wanted to say to you earlier, Jack, when you're talking about everybody at 9.58 p.m., mm. um, I, I sort of, you know, just wanted to sort of like point out there are so many of us that watch games around course, the world. Of course, yeah, and one of course. And one of the really hard things about, you know, we're all so... Uh, passionate and and uh, when we got to the sem- uh, the final in 2016, I watched every game in a different country along along like like while while traveling and and had a uh, and didn't get to watch the uh, the the final. I had to follow it on Twitter in the middle of the night. Um, but the point, the sort of point being that a lot of times you're watching these games at different hours at home and that, you know, all these Monday night kickoffs, they're at like yeah. three o'clock on a Monday and it's like, oh my God, I've got to take time off work. And then, you know, we win some like really important game and you're sitting there going like, I really want to go down the pub <laughs> and you look around and it's just you on the sofa. And there's a few people on Twitter who, who are, you know, like celebrating, but they're not really bothered about you. And it, it is when lockdown happened and you were talking about, about that game, I think it was probably quite um, a good choice of word here, sobering. For for those of you who go to the matches week in, week out, you know, we're a very well-supported international club with genuine hardcore expat fans all around the world. We don't all get to watch it in bars. One of the things I miss about not being in New York City 
anymore. When I did live there, the games weren't live. Um, you know, certain games might be played live, certain cup final games. Uh, nowadays, all the games are live. There is a, the, the Palace Bar, the football factory. And mm-hmm. uh, some, you know, periodically I will go to New York just you know, spend the money just to be with a, a, a few people where I don't watch as much of the game, but I have a drink mm-hmm. and just get to be with Palace fans. And uh, I just want to sort of throw that in because some of the, some of the, like, like, um, you know, the smash and grab, I had nobody really to celebrate that with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you just watch it. And then it's like, Oh, well, I've got, how many other Palace fans are in my area? I, I know one and he's American, you know, fortunately he, he supports Palace, but maybe I'll text him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. do you know any Brighton fans within the local area? That would have been a great guy knocking on their door at four o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon instead. No, I, I, I fun, no, I don't. And funny enough, I don't know that I really knew any Brighton fans in New York City. I think we are just the better supported club. Too it much. has occurred to me during this, I would love to hear a Brighton pod that can match us for great moments. Oh. Apparently head to head, because I think we've all got some stats up here by the wonders of technology. They've won 40 to our 38, but that's over like a hundred years. That I don't yeah. think they can match us if they were to not do for the not right not now. for moments, not no. for yeah. I mean, they haven't had a Benteke equivalent. They haven't had I'm the playoff semi win. I about to say they were doing an hour and a half on that's, Paul that, That's that's me. <laughs> I, I was I was completely wrong on that. Um, they, they didn't. It was he, he declined a second penalty. Could Murray had already scored a first penalty. And he declined right. a second one. They were arguing about that, and then had the clash of heads. So apologies. That's probably that game. I, I was covering that game as well, and I was right over the mouth of the, the tunnel in the press section there. And at, right at that game, Lewis Dunk coming off bare chested, celebrating as if they won the World Cup. It was mm-hmm. it was quite something um, to to witness, but. You know, I think that's those those two wins. The last they've they've had against us is that. I think there was, there was Graham Potter ever beat us. No, Graham Potter never beat no, us. Hopefully, didn't. that continues on the first uh, of October. <laughs> but um, the Brighton fan did reply, didn't he, Jim? In, in terms of your uh, your he Twitter did. post, and he literally named Andone scoring against <laughs> us as yeah. their best. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, and also the I don't want to do it. don't want to give him too much airtime. But also the uh, the don't let it bounce, which is in reference to the uh, the Mope goal. Grabbing but a point on a Monday not night. Only a point, not even a winning goal. <laughs> yeah, a point. Um, but I really like what Tony was just saying. Now I think it's a really yeah. nice part to end as well because we are an international club, and there are so many fans. We've heard from some of them today in the in the questions as well that do stay up all hours of the night to 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 capture these moments um, as well. And actually, that lockdown whatever it was, season, season and a half, was very sobering, I think, for those of us that do get to go to games very often. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's a nice nice point to end it on there. Thank you so much to all our listeners for for, for their messages. It's been lovely going through them and, and reliving them with you guys um, here as well. Tony, thank you so much for joining us and coming on. And best of luck um, with your uh, elevated <laughs> marathon march. Uh, as I said before, we'll, do, we'll be doing the Hills of Crystal Palace, but we're nothing compared to what you're doing. So best of luck with that. And I'm hoping on the day you can uh, keep everyone updated on social media and, and stuff like that uh yeah i'll try my best there's no cell service up top of those mountains <laughs> so um, well there is up top there isn't one you down in the woods so uh we'll have we'll have to see about that but thank you i'm probably going to need every minute focused on the uh focus on the footsteps ahead of me Tony, uh, if, we, all, if, if all... we don't if we don't hear from you we'll send julian chenery and kevin day to search for you okay it's I hope that's, oh, uh, fantastic I hope that's reassuring to that yeah. yes that's that's very reassuring yeah yeah, tell them to be BYO. <laughs> <laughs> it's been brilliant having you on. Thank you so much, uh, Dom. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks and, for uh, and sharing these memories. Not at all. No, thank you. Lovely to see Tony again and you, Jack. Um, and uh, Wolf is uh, not in his thirties. <laughs> 
Again, it's a very niche in-joke for people that haven't heard previous pods, won't get it. Uh, and uh, Jack, as ever, thank you for coming on and sharing your Palace memories. Thank you. I'm just going to go and watch Palace Brighton YouTube videos for the next three hours. So, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Time well spent. Time well spent. I'm sure some of our listeners will do um, as well. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Hope that's filled the void where it should have been a Palace Brighton review. Um, we're hopefully back next week. We may not be, but we'll let you know uh, for the international break episode. And then hopefully we are back for Palace Chelsea. I meant to ask you at the start this, Dom, in a word, is that game going to go ahead? Yes. Thank you very much, because Twitter thinks it won't. Uh, but we'll be back to review that game as everyone. Palace kick off football again in October. But until then, take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Podcast Network.